A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, we are definitely going to spike up as far as temperatures are concerned for a Friday. How are you doing this morning? It is the third day of April. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Glad to be along with you. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist will have more weather details in just a moment. The forecast I've got in front of me says that most everybody's going to see some showers this afternoon. 64 are expected high under partly cloudy skies. For tomorrow, sunshine. Hopefully a dry day so everybody can get out and enjoy a little fresh air. 52 the expected high on Saturday. Sunday we're at 57 degrees, but then again more rain back in the forecast on Monday. I am so happy to get updates from you as you start your field work. I talked to Dick out in Iowa County, did a little bit of field work. Uh, Stan up in northern Wisconsin said some of the potatoes have already been planted. Got a report yesterday talking with Wisconsin's uh, acting ag secretary, Randy Romanski, that uh, quite a few of the uh, vegetable crops are already in the ground uh, starting in central Illinois, moving their way north. That is therapy for a lot of farmers, for a lot of us. And I hope that the weather allows us to get outside and do a few things like that this weekend. And don't forget, if you're a gardener, uh, you got a lawn project you're thinking about, that's something that you probably can do on your own if you need to. I know there's a lot of landscapers and uh, lawn care folks that are out there in my neighborhood, but if you want to do it yourself, now you may have the time. Ah uh, Well, like I said, we'll talk weather with Stumach in about 15 minutes, also up before 6 o'clock. You have asked me time and time again, Pam, why are the stores still limiting people with the amount of milk that they can buy? Well, I got the answer for you yesterday at uh, when I talked with Chad Vincent from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. What he's found out from the grocery store industry on the signs up in the grocery store and what you can do to change that. Stick around. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual Insurance is rewarding their farm policyholders for their loyalty and commitment to Wisconsin agriculture through their farm dividend program. The farm dividend pays up to 5% back on your farm premium. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn how you could qualify. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rolling into that first weekend of April, don't forget, Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association's got their annual bull sale, but it's happening online. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And I'll tell you what, these warmer temperatures, despite the rain, are going to get farmers thinking more and more on how they can self-isolate in their own tractor cab, 
trying to get Springfield work started. Scott, I'll tell you what, as a kid that grew up in northeast Wisconsin, where it's nothing but heavy ground, I know that I'm going to have to cool my heels just a few weeks more before that ground dries out. You know, the thing is, there's a lot of that ground around Wisconsin. There is, Pam. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And as a side note, I did stick my soil thermometer into the soil yesterday just to see 38 degrees at Osseo. So we have a ways to go. But others, otherwise speaking, during recent years, we've heard UW agronomy researcher Jason Cavadini talking about the no-till research he's been doing at the UW's Marshfield Ag Research Station. His motto is, if you can till or rather, if you can no-till on Marshfield's heavy soil, you can no-till anywhere. But he's recently been expanding his message further into the overall soil health and systems that create the biology that provides good soil health. That might include no-till planting, managed grazing, and cover crops, but he says it's an individualized matter for every farm. Jason, you've been at this for a while now, talking about trying to reach the holy grail in soil health. Are we making progress? Are you making progress with your message? Well, I would definitely say we're making progress because there's more interest in this than there was seven years ago when I started. Um, but at the same time, the more we learn, the more we realize that we're just scratching the surface, which is not a bad thing, but it just shows there's a lot of work to do yet and a lot of potential for um benefit and um where we can go with this so now the last we talked we were talking a lot about just no-till farming your your mantra is uh, if you can no-till in marshfield you can no-till anywhere but it's way beyond that it's it's soil health it's the entire package what brings it all together well, what we're finding is we can improve our soil with no-till, and that's kind of what I meant by scratching the surface. So we see our soil improve, and a lot of farmers have seen that, but we can really move up the ladder further with when we start integrating continuous living cover and uh, and more perennials into the rotation. So those are what we're really focused on. So not only minimizing tillage, but just keeping cover on the land as much as possible, whether it's through cover crops or perennials or both. We're understanding the soil more than ever. We're understanding all of the bacterial needs and everything. We take some things away sometimes from the soil when we manage it in in some terms. But uh, the soil, it's, it's meant to grow things, so things maybe should be growing in it. Even if you've got corn in the soil, there's supposed to be something else with it. Right, so what you're referring to is interseeding cover crops, which is what we've done a lot of work with, and that's getting to be a practice that's not foreign to people anymore. Basically, when corn is, I don't know, maybe six inches tall, V3 or V4 stage, we're going in and interseeding a diverse cover crop mix into it, and we've found three three years of research now we've never had a negative impact on yield so that's pretty much telling us that we can grow these crops in between corn rows without it hurting our yield and then when the corn crop comes off we've got to cover so at a lot of conferences soil health conferences i suspect you're kind of preaching to the choir a little bit is is the wider audience 
starting to listen at least? Yeah, so there's always a little bit of that preaching to the choir, but it's definitely getting to where, you know, maybe five years ago when I talked about this, people thought, well, that's nice in your garden or on a couple acres in the back, but what about someone who's running a couple hundred or thousand or more acres? Well, there's getting to be people around the, the Midwest and around the United States who are doing this on a very large scale, and they're doing it successfully, and I think that's caught the interest of a lot of farmers so i mean us as professionals we can talk about this all we want but it's not until other farmers champion this that we really gain some ground the other farmers championing championing it that might be part of this big message too uh, at least in my mind because when you make a presentation you talk about i'm not telling you what to do Everybody has to make their individual decisions. Right. So I always start with the disclaimer that my message is not vilifying what you've done. And I think it's very important for us to recognize that there's reasons why people have farmed the way they have for several generations. But we know things that we didn't know then. And maybe some of the stuff that we're talking about now is stuff people knew many generations ago and we're just revisiting it. So... You know, that not all this stuff is new. Maybe none of it is new, but it's just different than what we've been doing. And to kind of go back to the beginning of your question, we just feel that peer learning for, you know, from farmer to farmer is extremely important in this process. And that's where the farmer-led watershed groups are extremely critical, and they're just a huge resource in our state right now. When you're talking about these messages, too, we're not just talking about row crops. We're talking about soil. We're talking about pastures. We're talking about everything. And we're even talking about non-crop, other other crops that grow along the sides of the fields. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you might be referring to, like, uh, native natives or perennials. And uh, we, we like to... There, there's a ecological function for those as well, and they can really enhance our operations. Um, and so I always encourage farmers to think about maybe their lowest 10% of acres, the, those acres that they're just, that they've been fighting for years and maybe stop the fight with those and that'd be a place to integrate some of these natives into. The science of this is important and you're pulling together the numbers. We can hear somebody say, yeah, this worked for me last year, but it still has to pencil out, and you're making that pencil out. Right. I mean, we're we're showing that it's, it's pretty easy to show how it improves the soil. It's a little harder to show how it improves the bottom line. But, um, you know, the yield is the one thing we haven't we've been able to show pretty confidently that it's not affecting yield in a negative way. And so a lot of this involves um, minimizing inputs. And so where we spend less, we're more profitable. We're, we're kind of um, making our farm function in a more natural way, I guess. We're using some of those symbiotic relationships that the soil is intended to have and taking advantage of those. I'm thinking back at over the years and you can remember the times when I hear uh, the idea of no-till farming, especially again in the Marshfield area. 
you'd, you'd hear audible gasps from some of the audience sometimes when those issues came up. And uh, there's some ideas out there that go beyond what's been tried and that we know of. One of the gasps that I've noticed in recent meetings is uh, something as far as 60-inch wide cornrows. There are ideas out there that science is showing might be good for us that are they aren't mainstream at all. So that's actually one uh, concept that's really taking off across the Midwest right now. And there's a lot of interest in our area. It it really makes sense when you have livestock. So if you can widen your cornrows and maybe you're going to take a 10, 10 bushel yield hit or, you know, something in that ballpark, maybe you won't. But it, even if you do, the point is to maximize the growth of that cover crop and then to bring your livestock onto it after the corn is harvested and get the forage value off of that get the value of the manure on the field. And it's something that really makes sense for livestock farmers. All right, thanks, Jason, again. That's Jason Cavadini from the UW-Marshfield Egg Research Station on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. I'm Scott Schultz. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual Insurance is rewarding their farm policyholders for their loyalty and commitment to Wisconsin agriculture through their farm dividend program. The farm dividend pays up to 5% back on your farm premium. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn how you could qualify. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. As our community deals with the current situation, Midwest Family Madison is committed to keeping you informed. Here's a few updates that we've received from local businesses and service providers. The Maple Tree Supper Club in McFarland is open for dinner takeout with daily specials, fish, ribs, roasted chicken, dinners, and more. The full menu is on their website at mapletreesupperclub.com. Stanga Law Offices are open during this challenging time. Visit them online for a free consultation, even a video consult at stangalaw.com. Hi, these three locations are doing their best to keep their shelves stocked for the community for all their needs and wants. They're open every day. Check store hours at high-v.com. If you have an update to add, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com, leave a message, and we'll get the word out. The best way to prevent the spread of disease is to avoid being exposed in the first place. Practice social distancing. Stay six feet away from others and away from gatherings of 10 or more. For more information about coronavirus and how our community is responding, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com. Putting the cheese on the crackers. 
It's Pam Yonke and the Wisconsin Farm Report. Well, we definitely have been consuming a lot of cheese. We're talking about it after 5.30 with Chad Vincent from uh, Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Plus, uh, that question of why we're still seeing milk purchase limits, he got that one answered, too. Time to get some weather answers. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. Well, you know, yesterday was a very nice day. I was outside again throwing, that's my therapy, throw the Frisbee for the dogs. Looks like I'm going to get another chance at that today, but then there is rain coming in. There is some rain, and in fact, the radar, Pam, already indicating very light rain scattering into south-central and eastern Wisconsin. You, know, you may notice just a few drops. There's more of that rain now, La Crosse and Mauston, uh, the activity running right up that Mississippi Valley and up to northeast parts of Minnesota. Low pressure is moving east and has pushed that really slow-moving front into eastern Minnesota, just to the far northwest edge of Wisconsin, oh, up on the St. Croix River, if you will, that boundary with the state. Now, the expectation today is that front will slowly push east and bring some light rain. Showers, most likely what we're talking about. The cold front will slip on through La Crosse by late today and then make its way east across Wisconsin through the nighttime. I don't think we're going to have a, a real big changeover threat in Wisconsin. We'll have some rain. There could be just a little patchy freezing rain late tonight or early tomorrow, and then that system's going to pull through. High pressure edges in. Temperature's a little cooling off for Saturday, but warming up again for Sunday with some sunshine. The next rain chance, it doesn't wait long, moves back in as we head into Monday. I'll have the forecast right after this. Compeer Financial has always been there for our clients and communities in any situation. And our support continues today as our clients work relentlessly to feed, clothe, and fuel the world. Compere is proud to continue our strong commitment to our clients, the rural communities where they live, and to agriculture. Whether it's providing financial services to our local farmers or responding to the funding needs of our community partners, we're here to help meet the financial needs of rural America. And our experienced financial team is just a phone call or email away, ready to guide you every step of the way. To learn more about our offerings, like long-term fixed rates that can help mitigate risk and improve cash flow, give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compeer.com today and we'll navigate through this together. Compeer Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Loan subject to approval guidelines. Not all borrowers will qualify. Restrictions may apply. This is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Wisconsin's number one farm insurer can protect your dairy operation from unexpected declines in revenue from milk sales. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more or talk to your local agent about how dairy revenue protection can fit into your risk management plan. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All righty, Stu, how about a quick forecast? All right, those sprinkles in the east this morning, light rain in the west. All of us see some rain develop through the day. Upper 50s, close to 60. Unfortunately, across those temps will drop as we head toward the afternoon. Southeast winds at 5 to 10 become northwest and the west later today. Uh, cloudy skies, some light rain in the nighttime, low 30s. Winds becoming northwest then through the night. And tomorrow, light rain or freezing rain early. Some clouds clearing a bit later. Low 50s on Saturday. I'd say mid or upper 50s with some sun on Sunday. Pam sounds nicer, but there'll be a little rain developing Monday, certainly on toward the afternoon. All right. Have a good weekend, Stu. Be safe. 
Yeah, you too. Take care. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, joining us live via Skype. Okay, now we're actually fairly warm this morning around uh, our listening area. Lacrosse, you're starting off with cloudy skies and 52 degrees. Mauston, cloudy and 48. Fond du Lac, cloudy at the airport, 43 degrees. Beaver Dam, you're cloudy and also at 43 degrees. We've got a little light rain from what it's telling me now at the airport in Madison, sitting at 48 degrees. Some of the most asked questions are answered after 530. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Welcome to Middleton Farmers Cooperative. Powered locally since 1928. Your cooperative. Serving the surrounding community with two Synex convenience stores. Do It Best Hardware Center. Feed Mill offering Vita Plus products. Agronomy Center. And Blue Dolphin Car Washes. Become a member today. No fee memberships. Visit Pleasant View Road, University Avenue, Middleton, or online at middletoncoop.com. Be our neighbor. No membership fee. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative. Your cooperative. Stop by the Do It Best Center on Pleasant View Road and check out Grandpa Ray's outdoor products for nutrition and food plots that are natural and innovative. Also stop and check out our full line of plot fertilizer, blended right here at the co-op. Be our neighbor. No membership fee. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative. Your cooperative. As our community deals with the current situation, Midwest Family Madison is committed to keeping you informed. Here's a few updates that we've received from local businesses and service providers. The River Food Pantry, located on Darwin Road in Madison, has their COVID-19 emergency food fund providing boxes of groceries to pick up curbside Tuesday through Friday. See distribution hours, sign up to volunteer, and support the River's emergency food fund at riverfoodpantry.org. Swave, in partnership with Dane by Local, has put together a campaign called the Curbside Challenge. Go to SwaveCoupons.com. That's S-W-A-V-E Coupons.com. If you have an update to add, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com. Leave a message and we'll get the word out. The best way to prevent the spread of disease is to avoid being exposed in the first place. Wash your hands with soap and water, often and for at least 20 seconds at a time. Sing while you wash. Twice through happy birthday is about 20 seconds. For more information about coronavirus and how our community is responding, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com. Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association's bull sale is going online. Bids will be starting at 11 a.m. Saturday, April 4th. You can view the bulls now at the UW Platteville Farm through April 3rd. You can bid online at dvauction.com starting at 11 a.m. April 4th. You can also phone your bids in during the sale, 800-297-5747. For more information, go to wisconsinbeef.com, call 800-297-5747, or go to dvauction.com to see the full sale catalog. This is the story of Daniel, who was born two months early. His lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His parents could only hope that one day he would leave the hospital healthy, and they would all live happily ever after. Daniel's is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year. You can help the March of Dimes stop premature birth and bring more babies home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies. 
Now more than ever, while trying to support our local businesses, and that includes local restaurants. Sure, the dining room may be on hiatus, but if they're able to do the to-go orders, definitely support them. Tonight, order your Friday night fish fry from the Thirsty Goat. They're open 3 till 7 p.m., taking your order. You can see the menu that they have for you to choose from, including a kid's menu, and don't forget dessert. And Thirsty Goat homemade favorites from their smokehouse, prime brisket, the homemade chicken noodle soup. Go to the website, thirstygoatbrew.com. Then you can click on DoorDash if you want it delivered to your door, or you can do the curbside pickup. The Thirsty Goat really appreciates your business, and you'll appreciate having a treat for the family like the Friday Night Fish Fry. ThirstyGoatBrew.com. Cooking up your Friday night fish fry 3 till 7 p.m. as though it were any ordinary Friday. Keep your Friday night fish fry tradition going, all the while supporting the Thirsty Goat and their staff. Visit ThirstyGoatBrew.com. Saying a big black bear drink a big brown beer 10 times fast could build an appetite. When it does, get yourself to the Black Bear Inn in Cottage Grove with Friday fish fry serving 5 to 10 p.m. Family, food, and fish at the Black Bear Inn in Cottage Grove. Metal is a fantastic choice. The fact that it's eco-friendly, the fact that it's energy efficient. Protects everything, not only on the outside, but obviously on the inside of the house as well. People like the clean, modern look of it. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta metal roof. S-W-I-T-A metalroofing.com Sweeta metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. I-39 Supply, affordable trailer rentals on all trailers, enclosed utility car hauler and dump trailers. Plus, I-39 Supply's huge indoor showroom service and parts department. I-39 Supply, trailer service and more. I-39Supply.com. When it comes to the green and gold, who would Rob Reichel say they need to eye for that 30th pick? Is it wide receiver? Is it offensive lineman? Is it Who is it, Rob? Uh, yes and yes, I guess. You know, they're they're going to need both of those positions clearly um, in in this draft. And you know, if if they do stay at thirty, Evo, they're going to have a chance at at a really good wideout and a really good offensive tackle. Those those are those are talented spots in this draft. They're deep spots. Now, I, I and I wrote this the other day, guys, at Forbes, and people can jump online and and look at this, but. It, they're going to have a lot of interest and in, in a lot of potential trade partners at 30 there, Evo. And without getting into all the, the great deals, you know, or, um, a great explanation, all the details of how the CBA works and um, you know, how, how many years you can keep players and things like that, the, the long and the short of it is you're, you're able to keep a first-round draft pick an extra year, five years versus guys later in the draft. You, 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 can, you can guarantee those guys' rights from second round on only for four years. So there's always a high interest in those late first-round picks for a couple of reasons. You get that extra year guaranteed, and a lot of teams love to jump back up and chase a quarterback. You guys remember Baltimore did it a couple of years ago with Lamar Jackson. They obviously hit a home run. Teams like Denver have, have jumped up and tried to do that late in the draft with Tim Tebow. They flopped. Cleveland did it a couple of times. Johnny Manziel was one of their guys. Brandon Whedon, they flopped on those. Whedon. I mean, so there's... Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota, the Vikings jumped into the first round again, late in the first round, whatever that was, 2013 or something, and and uh, took Bridgewater. So a lot of teams like to do that, Evo, and you can you can get a lot for those picks. And really, Evo, this, this draft from about player, I don't know, 25 to 50, beauty's kind of in the eye of the beholder, where where a lot of scouts don't, you know, don't 
decipher a huge difference between the guy you're going to get at 30 and maybe the guy you're going to get at 42. And and if Brian Gutekunst has offered, let's just say, the 34th and 44th pick or something like that, Evo, you know, a couple of second rounders for that pick at 30, you could see him moving back. Now, again, it's, it's risk-reward. We remember in, in 2017, guys, when Teddy – Teddy did that, and uh, he went back, and he ended up taking Kevin King, who's turned out to be a, a pretty marginal corner, um, and he passed on T.J. Watt, and I, I don't think the state will ever get over that, Never. guys. Um, you know, but, but then in 08, Ted Thompson went back also, guys, and um, you know, he, I think maybe I picked 30 or so that year as well. In fact, I think it was exactly 30, and, and the Jets jumped up and took the tight end, Dustin Keller, um, who, who didn't really have much of a career. And Ted went back to 36, and he got himself Jordy Nelson, and he picked up another pick. So, again, it's, it's, it's what you do then, obviously, with those picks. And um, so I, I think that's going to be an option uh, for Gutekunst, Evo, where he can, he can fill a couple of needs. And if, and if he feels that giving up 30, and my guess is the team might want to jump back up there and, and look for a quarterback, whether that's, you know, a team like the Colts or the Chargers or the or the Patriots, I, I think he's going to get some interest in that pick if one of these quarterbacks is still sitting there, a guy like Easton from Washington or something like that. Um, Gutekunst could certainly move back, pick up a pick up an extra pick, and then in the second round, guys, have two picks to work with where he takes the wideout and the, and the offensive tackle. Now, Robbie, I love your work on Forbes.com. We're talking with Rob Reichel, our Packer Insider. I saw you wrote an article about Patrick McQueen at Inside Linebacker. It could be just what the doctor ordered for the Packers at 30. But I'm looking at the Inside Linebacker position for the Packers, and then I see what Blake Martinez was saying about Inside Linebacker to the New York media about the Packers about – I mean, if you read between the lines, do the do the Packers value the inside linebacker position as other teams do? Because it just seemed like Martinez's comments made it seem like the Packers are kind of ho hum on an inside linebacker. Yeah, the long and the short of it, Evo, is the answer to your question is no. I mean, they they don't, and and, and I'm I'm starting to wonder if they need to have a philosophical difference in terms of you know or a philosophical change in terms of how they how they approach. In kind of their views on that on that position overall they they obviously rely heavily on on the pass rush outside they want they want high level corners they need to get a push from the inside and then they ask those guys in the middle to kind of clean some stuff up well you you've seen guys how how football has transitioned here over the last decade or so you you need high level athletes um you know the devin bushes of the world that that went to pittsburgh last year and green bay could have you know, could have potentially taken a 12, but if he didn't uh, go a 10 to the Steelers, those kind of inside linebackers can, can kind of tilt the field and change things. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 535 now on a Friday morning. And the number one question we've had this week from consumers and dairy farmers alike. We're dumping milk, and yet when I go to my grocery store, I'm limited on the amount of milk we can buy. What is going on? Well, I asked the question of Chad Vincent, CEO, Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, and he got the answer talking with grocery store industry leaders this week. You can change what's going on at your local grocery store, perhaps. Uh, Chad's got the details coming up before 6 o'clock. I'm PM Yankee. Now, 
From Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Friday. So on this date back in 1996, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, finally arrested. He had sent out 16 letter bombs between 1978 and 1995, killed three people, injured at least 23. Finally arrested on this date back in 1996. And here's another one where I'm showing my age. On this date in 1953, the TV Guide was published for the first time. Remember remember the TV Guide? Well, on the cover, uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz with brand new baby, Desi Arnaz Jr. That was on this date back in 1953 when they published their first TV Guide. Now listen, I didn't see the first one, but believe me, at the farm, the TV Guide was an important piece of information to have around, and now you know. Well, we want you to know that hopefully today... They are going to begin accepting applications for the newly enacted Paycheck Protection Bill. This is basically small business loans that farmers could qualify for. I talked about it with Paul Cole, Chief Lending Officer with Compure Financial. There's a, a unique provision in the CARES Act called the Paycheck Protection Program that uh, uh, significantly broadens the scope of traditional uh, small business administration lending to include farmers and agribusiness uh, in, in the ability to uh, get some short-term uh, financial assistance, a lifeline, if you will. Uh, these are short-term loans that are forgivable if a, a borrower uses them to keep their employees, uh, to pay certain expenses that are covered by the program. And, and Compare Financial has been working really hard to make sure we are, uh, that we fully understand uh, who's eligible and how we can help our clients uh, get ready to take advantage of this new program. Uh, and uh, the Small Business Administration has said that uh, applications uh, are likely to start being accepted by lenders, including uh, Compure Financial, as early as Friday, April 3rd. And that is today, folks. That's Paul Cole. He is the Chief Lending Officer with Compure Financial. So again, the Paycheck Protection Bill, as part of the CARES legislation, could directly impact farms and how they're operating. It allows coverage of payroll, back through February, as well as your expenses on utilities, and it could be forgivable if you follow the rules. Check in with your banker, with your lender, and of course, the good news, if you're working with Compure Financial, they are already ahead of the game as far as getting that process going once the application period opens. So please, make sure you're checking in with your lender, your folks that may keep your employee records, all those people are going to be critical for quick turnaround on the paycheck protection small loan small business loans that are going to become available. All right. Now markets in overnight electronic trade this morning look like they're actually holding pretty firm. That's the good news. Right now, December corn's up a penny and three quarters at three fifty one and a half. November soybeans are up a penny and a quarter, eight sixty four and a quarter. And July wheat right now, seven and a quarter higher in overnight trade at five forty six. Lacrosse this morning's got new crop corn at three oh seven, the beans at eight twenty eight. Mauston, new crop corn at three oh six, the beans seven sixty eight. In Sauk City and Beaver Dam, new crop corn three eleven, the beans seven eighty three. Jefferson, new crop corn three twenty one, the beans at seven eighty eight, new crop wheat at four ninety three. Cottage Grove, new crop corn at three sixteen, the beans at seven eighty seven, new crop wheat at four eighty three a bushel. You know the best thing I can say about the dairy markets yesterday is some were unchanged. Barrel cheese was unchanged yesterday at one seventeen and a half. 
Forty pound block cheese that dropped another four cents to one twenty seven, while double A butter was unchanged at one thirty one a pound. Now in overnight activity, fluid milk continuing to show weakness. May milk right now trading eleven cents lower at twelve seventy seven a hundred weight. June milk's down thirteen at thirteen forty five a hundred weight. And again, I have to feel sympathy for our feeder cattle, the hog industry. Yesterday, again, live cattle, feeder cattle, and lean hogs were locked down the limit. You know, we've got so much news that we want to present to you, but so little time to do it in. I want to commend uh, Josh Scramlin, Caitlin Riley for their fantastic work on following developing stories as it relates to COVID-19. But I only have so much time on the radio. So again, I want to remind you folks, go to our website, MidwestFarmReport.com or Facebook, Fabulous Farm Babe, for the latest on developing stories. You can sign up for our daily newsletter. It'll automatically be emailed to you so you don't miss a thing. But please, go to those arteries as a means to keep up all weekend long as more information develops. Number one question this week, why is milk purchasing still being limited when we're dumping milk? Chad Vincent, CEO, Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, next with the answer. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. As our community deals with the current situation, Midwest Family Madison is committed to keeping you informed. Here's a few updates that we've received from local businesses and service providers. Benjamin Plumbing is open and wants to assure you they're taking every possible precaution to protect their customers and employees. Please feel free to contact them with questions at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Middleton Sport Bowl is open for carryout Wednesday through Sunday. You can order from their website at SportBowl.com, making homemade meals for the past 20 years. Health Journey Chiropractic wants to keep you out of the ER and urgent care. Working from home with poor ergonomics, they're here for you. Call 274-7090, healthjourneychiro.com. If you have an update to add, go to midwestfamilymadison.com, leave a message, and we'll get the word out. The best way to prevent the spread of disease is to avoid being exposed in the first place. If you have to sneeze or cough, do it into your elbow and make it less likely for your germs to be transferred to others. For more information about coronavirus and how our community is responding, go to midwestfamilymadison.com. Johnson Tractor from Land to Lawn. Get your Kubota mower ready for the season ahead with a lawn and garden 21-point inspection. Kubota-trained expert technicians will get you geared up with new spark plugs, engine oil and filters, air and fuel filters, blade sharpening, and more. Call Johnson Tractor and schedule your lawnmower inspection today. Johnson Tractor from Land to Lawn. You don't turn your back on friends and family, and McFarland's is not turning its back on its community. They are open, practicing good Centers for Disease Control standards internally to protect their staff as well as their customers. They're there whether you need disinfectants, animal feed, or something for the farm, all under one roof. And remember, for customers within a 10-mile radius of the store, they're able to offer free delivery for the current time until the crisis subsides. McFarland's, always there for their community. Crowing at the crack of dawn, this is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. The number one question that we've been fielding this week from consumers and farmers alike. Why are we still limiting the amount of milk that people can buy at the grocery store when Wisconsin dairy farmers are being asked to dump milk? Very good question, and the short answer is 
they should not be limiting the amount of milk that people can buy. That's what Chad Vincent found out this week from food industry leaders. Chad Vincent, of course, Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin CEO, comes with a background in food and uh, brought that to the table during conference calls this week with the state's leading grocery stores. And he said the short answer is there should be no limits. I was on a call yesterday with WSGA, the Wisconsin State Grocery Association, Department of Agriculture, and and dozens of grocery stores, owners and, and, and operators. And they're telling us, why are you doing this and can you stop, please? Because the farmers really need this volume. And their, their response back has been, you know, we have people coming in and they're hoarding. I mean, you look at the paper aisles, you look at the disinfectant aisles, everything's gone. People are buying five and six at a time. So when people come in and want one, it's not there. So they put limits on these things because everybody that comes to the store, 95% of households have milk in it. And everybody that's coming to the store now is buying milk. Milk sales the last two weeks have been up 30 to 50%. And year-to-date, milk sales are positive for the first time in decades. So people are going home. They're putting the milk jug on the table. They're, they're, they're baking. They're cooking. And they're, you know, they're eating family meals, which means they're drinking more milk, which is fantastic. And it's great to see people come back to milk. Now, that, that said, the retailers say, if, if you come into the store, you have to buy milk because it's on the list and it's not there. Oftentimes, people just leave their cart there and walk out. They just leave and they got to go somewhere else, which means that they have to travel in public and they've got to be exposed to more people. So they are they want to sell milk as much as you do and as much cheese as you do. But they also have to make sure that there's some left for everybody. Now, people, places like Metcalf's, Quick Trip have zero restrictions. Festival, we've talked to festival is, is if they have any restrictions, they're pulling them off. And if you ha- if you run into this issue, talk to the store manager, and then also if you, if you don't get if you don't get what you need there, go to the corporate website, email or call the eight hundred number there because oftentimes what we're told is that it's not a corporate decision; it shouldn't be happening at stores, but some store managers are doing it on their own because they see what's happening in terms of hoarding. Long-winded, Matt, but there's, there's no. so much stuff going on. <laughs> well, and and we need to hear that of all times. We need to hear that, Chad. What about our agribusiness partners, our dairy cooperatives, those, uh, in, the infrastructure that Wisconsin dairy depends on? That obviously has been called yeah. into question because now we're dumping milk. What are you hearing there? Yeah, milk disposal is really, it's really heartbreaking. And, um, so here's what's been happening behind the scenes in the last two weeks. There is an invisible network that, that happens with, it happens every day with, uh, with all the co-ops and, uh, and the processors. Because very rarely does a, does a co-op or a processor end up with exactly the amount of milk that they need that day or that week. So they trade, they sell, they move it to where people need it. So over the last two weeks, the co-ops, you know, under incredible stress, have been, tr- have been trying to move volume to where it needs to go, to the right plants, to the right people. Well, what's happening is you have, um, you have a great unknown. You have if they produce products for a food service, for for a restaurant, for Chili's or Applebee's, they're not ordering it anymore, right? And typically they've got you know a bunch of inventory there waiting to ship for the next two to four weeks. So they're sitting going, okay, if I make if I take the milk and make the product, where's it going to go? What am I going to do? Because the cold storage area storage areas are getting full, and I have to buy the milk, produce it, and go through the expensive processing it, and then put it in a warehouse to maybe sell it someday, hopefully before it goes 
out of code or out of spec for what the retailer, what the grocer or the restaurant needs. Compound that with trying to keep plants running with now kids at home from school that they have got to educate with people being afraid to go outside with people being sick uh, and plants trying to stay healthy and having enough people to operate. Um, a lot of the co-ops on the milk side have gone back to have gone to eliminate a lot of the small packages. Uh, you know, you might even see some shortages of chocolate milk, but they're focusing in on the, on the 2% and the full, the whole milk to make sure that they get the massive amount of milk that the vast majority of people need out in the marketplace. You know, they're also trying to make sure that the, they keep their milk haulers healthy because if those guys get sick, you know, that's not a job that somebody can just pick up and, and do tomorrow. So we're doing everything they can to to make sure that that part of the logistics arm stays healthy. They are under incredible stress and they are doing the best that they can. And, by, you know, we get we get dozens of calls every day about what am I, what's my co-op doing? You know, we try and talk to them, but they're they're working 24 hours a day and they don't have time to reach out and talk to us all the time. If you have issues, reach out to your co-op and ask them. Um, really, that's the that's the best way to reach out to, to, to get the information. Um, you know, we're working with meetings with, you know, twice a day with the, the Department of Agriculture. And I'm on the phone constantly with with acting um, Ag Secretary Randy Romanski, wonderful, really patient, really dedicated gentleman. And th- th- they're doing everything they can um, to keep the wheels on this thing. Uh, he said he, he they cobbled together a letter last yesterday. Uh, with the industry and sent it off to Washington to try and get USDA to start buying massive amounts of cheese and dairy today, not next week, not next month, but now because we need to keep this, we need to keep the processors running so that they can continue to take the milk. And you did come away from that conference call with a slight sliver of optimism that that extreme hoarding we saw early on, Chad, will not necessarily occur again, and our processors may be able to get their legs back underneath them a little bit. We are seeing that. Uh, you know, the orders continue to come in strong. Like I said, you know, milk sales have been up 30, 35 percent the last couple of weeks. Cheese sales were up at grocery 105 percent last week. 100. So trying to keep the shelves full and keep the, you know, you, typically store milk gets delivered to the stores twice, maybe three times if it's a big store. So. It, trying to keep those things, those shelves full. But what the, the retailers are saying is they are seeing people doing less hoarding. And so they can, they're, they're beginning to be able to take some of the restrictions off. Um, and they are seeing orders beginning to level, level off. Although I don't see the demand for milk and cheese declining that much over the next month. I mean, when people are at home, uh, you know, they consume a lot of, you know, we're fortunate in that, you know, especially in Wisconsin, you know, we eat our milk. And it takes 10 pounds of milk to make a pound of cheese, and cheese is flying off the shelves at retail. It's just not flying off the shelves at restaurants. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that also speaks. I've gotten all kinds of feedback via social media and my website. A lot of people saying, wait a minute, why don't you donate this milk instead of spread this milk or dump this milk? Can you help them better understand how, <laughs> well, that's, a, that's, that's leading with your heart, and it's a very noble idea execution is just about near impossible with what we're talking about. It is, it is next to near impossible, and but it is happening, right? So we are, in fact, if, if you look online and look up Gen Youth, and I know there's a lot of people out there that don't understand Gen Youth or are not a big fan of it, 
But I tell you what, they are pulling together a, a group of industry people to donate money so that they can actually fund product that can go into food banks and, and into feeding America. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. But logistically, like here in Wisconsin, if you wanted your milk to be bottled and then given away at a food bank, the biggest issue is the food banks don't have the cooler space. They've, only, they've got a limited amount of space. And then food banks are really stressed right now because of the stay-at-home and the COVID scare. The vast majority of people that help out in the food banks are people that are a little, you know, 50-plus, and they've got the time, and they're told to stay home. So the workforce at, at the food banks is also uh, highly restricted. Uh, but there are people that are working. I mean, we're working with um, with programs to get grants to schools so that they can get equipment that they need and cooler bags so that they can continue to take school milk, put it together with lunches, and get that out to central locations where kids and families can come and get meals because there's, there's a lot of kids out there that the only meals they get are at school. Right, right. And so there's, there's a huge group, and, and, and a lot of the, you know, dairy farmers in Wisconsin is in the middle of trying to make sure we have milk in those meals and that those, mil- those meals are available. Um, if you're just joining ahead. us, this is uh, Chad Vincent that's speaking with us via Skype. He is the CEO of Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Chad, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I know you're so very busy. But uh, if I'm a frustrated dairy farmer out there, what do you suggest that I do? Can you give me a couple bullet points uh, so that I, you know, I mean, like I said, I get frustrated. My dairy checkoff dollars at work for me. What else can I do? Uh, give me some suggestions. Yeah, well, be as patient as you can and, and, and really have the belief because pe- people out there have the best interest in heart. And we are everybody is trying their best to make this system work to continue the flow of your milk from your cows to your farm, to a processor, to somebody that needs to, to consume the products. If you get to the point where you're really stressed out and you need help, make sure you reach out to the Department of Agriculture. They've got, they've got incredible help and stress hotlines, it, it, and, and make sure you're, that you're, you're, you're taking care of yourself and your family. If you get to the point where you have to dispose of milk or that system's coming up, again, reach out to uh, the Department of Ag because they've got people that are tracking and they can also help you help direct you to different ways that may be programs and ways in which you can help, you can be helped. Um, reach out to your elected officials with emails and calls that you want the USDA to start buying dairy products and that you want the margin protection program opened up again for everybody to register so we can get dairy farmers to stay whole and, and, and producing and, and above water through this crisis. Excellent points. We appreciate it. Chad Vincent, again, CEO of Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, an example of your checkoff dollars at work. And believe you me, uh, the battle is by far not over. And Chad uh, will be working uh, darn near 24 hours a day if the conference call is going on to make sure that your voice is heard. I'm Pam Yonke. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.